to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Sugar Coated. I am so excited today to welcome my guest. Her name is Catherine Folkend, and she's the CEO of Femtech Insider. And it is an online publication that's all about women's health and technology. So I am so excited to have a conversation all about everything that, you know, women need when it comes to health, when it comes to wellness. I love what it is that you're doing. So welcome to Sugar Coated, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and um, really looking forward to our conversation right now. Me too. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? I know you had some health issues that sort of prompted the starting of Femtech Insider. So can you like just walk us back and talk a little bit about the origin story? Sure. So um, my background is really in tech. I pretty much spent my entire career working for tech companies of all kinds of different shapes and sizes, from very small startups to very big corporates. And so I've held various different roles across product, communications, marketing, this kind of stuff in Europe and uh, also in Silicon Valley for a while. So when I was in my early 30s, I was diagnosed with a condition called PCOS. So that stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. And it's actually somewhat common. So it affects around one in 10 women. It's the uh, most common cause for infertility among women of reproductive age. And yeah, again, one in 10 women, yet only 50% of women with PCOS are actually diagnosed. And I was one of these women that was not diagnosed until her early 30s. PCOS is a hormonal condition, somewhat common, but not that easy to spot because the symptoms really vary from woman to woman. Interesting, we can go a little bit more into the condition. So essentially what happened with me was I was diagnosed in my 30s and I was kind of shocked because I was like, well, you know, I'm a woman that actually cares about her health. Like, you know, I work out, I eat well, I try to do everything I can to really, you know, have a healthy body, have a healthy mind and just really a healthy life. And uh, yet this was missed. And what happened with me, so one of the somewhat um, a little bit uncomfortable symptoms of uh, PCOS is that for me, it was, you know, kind of the cosmetic issues. So acne, um, male pattern hair growth, um, then Mm. hair loss and balding. Mm. And um, so, you know, I actually was going to get laser hair removal done. And um, I found a flyer in my beautician's office that said, well, you know, this is not going to work for you if you have a condition like hirsutism, PCOS, thyroid conditions, hormonal imbalances. And I was like, I've never heard of any of these things, right? So, um, mm. and I started to read and Google on my phone. And I was like, I saw the symptoms and I'm like, oh my God, I have PCOS. And so literally I took that flyer. I walked into my OBGYN's office at the time. And I'm like, look, you need to test me for this. I'm like 90% sure I have PCOS. And so that's how I got a diagnosis. So although I had all these symptoms that I've been uh, struggling with literally my entire adult life, 
you know, it was missed. And so again, wow. I'm a white woman from Central Europe that was very privileged. I worked in tech at the time, right? So mm. I've always had access to really, really good healthcare. Yet my healthcare providers missed PCOS in me and I struggled for decades, literally. So oh, um, yeah, that's kind of how I, how I got into the women's health field. And basically, you know, I struggled with that diagnosis for a while. <laughs> I spent about a year feeling sorry for myself before I was sort of in a position to actually really tackle it and, you know, kind of do something productive about it. So as I was look, reaching out to other women for support in the online support groups, I, you know, learned that the experience that I had had is actually not an exception. It's more like the rule. Mm. And I just thought, oh my God, women's health, this is so broken, right? Yes. I just really kind of, you know, did, did a deep dive and sort of it's like a rabbit hole, right? You start, you I'll obviously learn about PCOS because it affected me directly. Then, you know, you reach out into endometriosis, menopause, fertility issues. And um, it's such a broad and uh, frankly fascinating field. And there's so much work to be done. So having that background in the tech space, I was like, you know, what, what, what role does innovation play in this? Then I kind of looked out and I stumbled upon femtech. So femtech is kind of a term that we use to broadly describe anything that's women's health innovation. So my background in tech was in uh, fintech, so more on the financial side, and uh, also software as a services, so productivity software. And all of these verticals had so many publications dedicated to them, right? Like mm. everybody was writing about innovation in these spaces. Mm. And I was just really flabbergasted that nobody was speaking about women's health with, with this innovation angle. And so this is really how um, Femtech Insider came about and mm. um, how I stumbled into this space. Oh, that's amazing. And I love the idea of entrepreneurship and solving a problem that's very personal because that's the thing that I think keeps us going when things get tough. When did you start, when did you launch uh, Femtech Insider? So we launched, actually, we have our four-year anniversary this ah, October. Ah, <laughs> so the first, first newsletter, so we're really new, known for our newsletter that summarizes all the news in the space um, on a weekly basis. And the first newsletter, I think, went out on like October 1st, oh, wow. um, 2019. And um, yeah, we've been around ever since. And um, I always, I mean, you know, I've learned so much ever since, like I really started this as a patient with obviously no medical background. And I was really just driven by, you know, that need that, you know, to, to create this. And I just, from the very beginning, I just felt this needed to exist. And if it yeah. wasn't there, then I had to build it. And mm. so then obviously I learned a lot from our audience, sort of built together with them really. And, you know, it's like kind of, I like to think of myself as a servant leader in this space. And, you know, I mm. couldn't do what I do without all the other amazing women that are building in the women's health space. And, uh, you know, we're really in this together driven by our joint mission to bring change to the, to women's health. Yeah. yeah, it's really what you said earlier. You know, the, the why is what drives us and really also what carries us, what carries me through the times. Um, but maybe it's not that easy. And, you know, and I mean, entrepreneurship is hard. Yes. <laughs> it's not an easy path to walk at times. But yeah, kind of being able to sort of go back to your mission and your why is incredibly important. There's um, a book that I'm reading. I should know the uh, name of it, and, and I just can't recall it right now, but it's all about how women are not considered in healthcare, like in all the health studies and all the medicine. I mean, things are getting better now, but 
all of the medicines that were developed were not developed with women in mind, right? They just thought we were smaller men. And so it's so incredible to see some of these new technology solutions that are helping people to almost assess themselves, right? So different types of at-home testing that you can do that measure your hormones or the vitamins that you're lacking or something like that. Because we really are different creatures and our hormones affect us. So we're not the same all the time. We are constantly changing. And so whatever medicines we are taking is affected by where we are in our cycles. And that is something that wasn't recognized. You know, it wasn't taken into consideration in all these studies. So Femtech Insider is is the goal of it to kind of bring awareness to all of these different issues that women face and then kind of talk about some of the existing innovations and solutions. Sorry, I missed the beginning of that question. Oh, I just I was just curious with um, Femtech Insider if the mission or the, you know, the goal of the newsletter is to bring awareness to not only the issues that exist, but also the innovations and solutions. And then I'm sure that there's plenty of people that are interested in funding those types of innovations. So can you talk a little bit about the whole ecosystem that sort of is interested in the news? Letter. Yeah, of course. So um, again, we started as a newsletter and then sort of, you know, expanded from there. And, you know, in the beginning, what I did actually, which is collect coverage from across the internet and just, you know, it was literally a collection of links that we sent out on a weekly basis. Then, you know, we quickly uh, gained traction specifically in the investment community that was already interested in these spaces. So with a bunch of uh, women's health funds, mm. startups, obviously in that space started to pay attention to the work that we were doing. And what started happening was that I was starting to get emails from our founders that are like, look, other tech publications won't write about us because we mm. speak of a period of menstruation. Oh. Can you publish our press release? Oh. And, you know, I would tell them, we're just a newsletter. You know, we don't really do editorial. Yeah. And so then I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe we should be doing editorial, right? Mm. And so um, we've kind of grown an, an editorial team sort of on the back of that newsletter and on, on the back of that audience that is mm. very interested in that space and, you know, really interested in making a difference in that space. Mm. And um, so, yeah, it's really, um, you know, startups get their first publicity from us. Um, mm. We have lots of investors on our mailing list very often. So we talk about launches, we talk about investments, we talk about acquisitions. Mm. We also talk about, you know, founder journeys and, you know, a lot of founders in our space are very mission driven and they're really solving the problems that they themselves had and, um, you know, the solutions that they're building to address the many issues in the women's health space. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I think like what we've been able to do is really, you know, help investors find investments and in great companies to invest in and great companies that don't only bring financial returns, but also have amazing, you know, have great impact on the world that we live in. Mm. And yeah, again, helping, you know, founders, lots of female entrepreneurs in our space to, um, you know, kind of connect with investors. We're really read across the sort of healthcare innovation ecosystem. Obviously, the VC and startup community is quite interested in what we do, but it's also, you know, sort of end consumers that are just interested in sort of women's health, a little bit of an innovation angle, um, lots of physicians read us. And also a bunch of our friends in the more corporate world, sort of in the pharma world, insurance and, you know, sort of the mm. yeah, personal hygiene area 
cough or any anybody that's like I don't know the Henkels, the Johnson Johnsons of the world. Um, so that's kind of our readership. So we really kind of speak to anyone that's really interested in making a difference for women on a global level. Wow. I mean, I have I have two sort of questions. First is I'll I'll keep on the track of Femtech Insider, but I do want to almost leverage what you've done and maybe give advice to other people who are looking to sort of do something like this. So we'll we'll get to that in a second. But I'm also wondering, you know, it just seems to me that with what you're doing, there are so many other things that can come from there, like, you know, conferences and and events, bringing people together. So my, I guess it's a two-part question, and then we'll go on to the third. First is, where is Femtech Insider going, right? Where is it expanding? And then the other thing that I'm curious about, this maybe speaks a little bit to, you know, if someone else is trying to do something like this, what's the business model? So in many ways, we're a very, very traditional media company. So, you know, we do advertising in all sorts of shapes and forms, um, starting with, you know, just like ads on the website to sponsorships of our newsletters to guest posts. So stuff, you know, that you will see across the media world to a certain extent. We also do have a premium membership. We have lots of investors Mm. in that. Lots of, you know, again, people uh, in corporate innovation departments that are interested in, you know, sort of um, our view of the space and the trends, the new startups that we're seeing. Mm. So it's really membership is another big income stream for us. Mm. I did start in the very beginning also to do a little bit of consulting. So I'm trying to do less of that and really, you know, have have the platform do money. So, you know, in the beginning also maybe as advice for somebody that's looking to start something similar, you know, kind of have that additional income stream that's maybe a little bit platform independent because that allows you to really innovate and, you know, kind of try new things. Mm-hmm. And um, I will be very honest, when I started Femtech Insider, I had no idea how to monetize this thing, right? Yeah. I was just so <laughs> driven by this belief that a platform like this needed to exist. And then I just failed forward, basically. So, yeah. um yeah, in many ways, this is kind of where we're at uh, at the moment. We uh, do run our own events um, specifically for our so-called inner circle audience. So that's our membership community. Yeah. They are smaller, they're a little bit more analytical. So I always like to say our general free coverage, so to say, is kind of this is what happened. And then in our premium membership, we like to go a little bit more into detail and talk about why this matters and why the investment community, why the innovation community should care about these news or these developments. Mm. And yeah, we, we are definitely um, also exploring more options. Again, I've been running it for a few years now. And sort of it's kind of at a point now where we're obviously thinking about scaling and um, which direction to take it into. We're, we are exploring events, um, as you mentioned, yeah. more um, in, in a different format, virtually, potentially in person. Yeah. And we're also looking at potentially um, maybe doing a little bit more uh, for consumers, you know, that might mm. be interested in the women's health space, because right now we are, um, we're really a B2B publication yeah, at its core, but we are read by a lot of um, just, you know, women that are curious about this space and curious about the founders in our space yeah. and the products that come out of our space that, you know, they might be able to use. So, um, yeah, there's, there's lots of opportunities to sort of expand and sort of innovate. Yeah. It never gets boring in media. I'm sure you you know yeah. this as well. But that's kind of um, what we're exploring at the moment. That's amazing. Yeah, because I could I could definitely see this even expanding into some type of your own 
fund, right? Where you're where you're bringing together investors and investments, especially because you are the authority, right? And and you know where to find people. And now they are coming to you. I, I imagine that you don't have to do a ton of awareness building because it, there's there's not a lot of people that are playing in this space. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been lucky to have a little bit of experience on the VC side. So um, I've been invited to sit on the advisory board for um, a bunch of VC funds and also conferences in the women's health space. So mm. obviously, that's a great learning opportunity for me. And I mean, who knows, you know, obviously, I have a lot to learn in that space. So um, I don't think that's like, a, I don't know, a next 12 month goal. No. But um, <laughs> who knows what the future brings. So definitely, you you are absolutely right. We see a lot of startups very early because we are a media and not a VC fund. And, you know, yeah. where women own, women run, I'm, you know, just the founder, just like another founder. So we're not as threatening as a VC sometimes. So people tend to rather speak to me early than to a VC. It's always a little bit scary and there's much more of a power difference. So yeah. um, we see a lot of these startups in their very, very early stages. And obviously that's super valuable to a lot of uh, people that are looking to invest in this space. Yeah, it's just incredible. You, and you mentioned the the membership, which I think is is fascinating. Also, it seems to me that more and more people are talking about building community, right? And so the community has all of these different aspects. And, you know, women are 51% of the world's population. Why is it that we aren't more focused on this, especially this is our health, right? This is our longevity. This is our, you know, how we can live our lives to the fullest and get the information that we need. So I can really see this being a consumer, you know, keeping both, but having a consumer facing aspect to this because, like you, you know, here you were like someone who was very educated about health and wellness. And yet you had a condition that people who you relied on, your, you know, your doctors and your healthcare providers, they weren't able to spot this. You, you found this out on your own. And I think that hopefully the industry is moving more and more so that people don't have to experience that but women do need to educate ourselves from when we're young about the potential, uh, you know, elements or conditions that might affect us. Because the earlier that we can address these things, the more vibrant lives that we can lead. Absolutely. And, you know, I talk about this so much, like we definitely need to reinvent sex ed. Because all we talk about yes. is how to not get pregnant, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, like there's so much more to this like a you know at, at a certain point in your life it might be a little bit more difficult to get pregnant so you know we're sort of perpetuating a myth yeah. that you know it just you know it just happens like that which may be true for some people of course but you know given like the state of fertility in the world um you know there's a lot of issues with not being able to conceive too but beyond that it's also you know it should it should be more like body literacy even than you know sex ed and you know that it should be a lot broader than just you know limiting it to you know like how not to get pregnant or how to practice uh, safe sex. So it's like, kind of, you know, I, I 100% agree, I would hope that, you know, we could teach this thing at a much earlier age, not just to, you know, young women, but also young men, or, you know, it's, yeah, it's incredible. Exactly. Because had I known earlier, that I was at risk for having PCOS, like, you know, I could have gotten the help I needed earlier, I could have found happiness yeah. earlier. And, you know, sort of, I wouldn't have 
dealt with a lot of the issues Suffered. that I dealt with in my twenties. Yeah. So yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Like we, we just need better education across the board on a lot of these issues. Yeah, it's unfortunately even still today, I feel women's health is very very stigmatized. Like many topics, yeah. we still don't feel comfortable speaking about. And very honestly, I was also not always this open of talking about, you know, having PCOS and all the little bit like, you know, symptoms that you're struggling with. And um, I was like, oh, my God, somebody's going to Google me and um, <clears throat> mm. somebody's going to Google me and I'm going to be this uh, PCOS girl forever. And that's all people are going to talk <laughs> about me. And I was like, what is this going to mean for my dating life? I don't know. You know, yeah. so it was kind of, um, you know, you oh. ask yourself all these questions because if, the, the many taboo topics that are still exist in the women's health space. So um, we just need to talk more openly about these issues. Then, you know, it's, I think it is getting better. Um, I think we yeah. specifically see it in the menopause space. Um, most celebrities are speaking up and, you know, sharing their experiences uh, going through menopause. And I think this is really yeah. helping to drive the conversation forward. I wish we would have similar examples for other conditions as well. So, um, you know, the Agreed. destigmatization continues, but um, we still have a long way to go. Yeah, it's it's really sad that we're socialized as women to put forth this, you know, perfect facade and not talk about some of our health issues. And like you're saying, like, you know, oh, if someone Googles you and they find that you have a health issue, it's like, oh, you're not like a, a viable mate then, which is like awful, right? And I thought actually where you were going or is that like even an employer, right? Or if they see that, oh, you might have some type of, you know, health condition that's going to, you know, make you not as productive. It's so unfortunate that that's how society views you know, people, number one, as productivity machines. But number two, like women, on top of being a productivity machine, you also have to be perfect in every way in order for, you know, people to to value you. And that's really sad. And I am, I'm like disgusted by all of that. But I do think that the more conversations that we have like this, the the more that people will start to to think about it and and reject it right like no i'm going to talk about this because i'm not the only one and you do still have to earn a, a living and you know date and and all of that kind of stuff and we're all imperfect in so many different ways like why are why is this one thing the negative aspect. So I really love the work that you're doing. And I was actually wondering, so, well, let's actually, let's go to, you know, if if someone does have an idea, right? It doesn't necessarily need to be in the healthcare space and the technology space, but let's say that they're super knowledgeable or passionate about a certain topical area that is niche. And they do see that there's some type of, opportunity there. What type of advice, now looking back on your four years, what type of advice would you give to a woman that wants to start some type of a information property? I think the, the first advice I would have is really focus on building your audience. And, you know, sort of the audience is kind of your testing ground to a certain extent, right? I think I mentioned it earlier, I kind of built forward in the journey of uh, building Femtech Insider. So what really helped me was, you know, kind of having, 
And like, I literally started with an audience of two and both of these people were related to me. So, you know, I really started knowing nobody <laughs> in that space. So, you know, it was really about networking, reaching out to people and um, kind of just overcoming imposter syndrome to a certain extent. And, you know, being very honest that, you know, I'm, I'm learning and I'm, you know, I want to create something to serve this space. And um, you will find there are a lot of people that are very happy to support you and just, you know, get on the phone with you. Mm. I think launch fast and build an audience um, would be my two biggest pieces of advice. I think we sometimes mm. get lost in um, wanting to make everything perfect and, you know, sort of waiting around and then waiting another month. And um, so the way I actually launched Fentech Insider, I've had the idea for um, a few months and I think I bought the domain in uh, April 2019 and then we launched in October 19 and I actually started it as part of um, um, so there's an organization called Women Make and it's kind of a creator um, organization mm. and so they ho- uh, I don't know whether they still do it but in 2019 they um, hosted a sort of one month long hackathon where everybody mm. who participated was challenged to launch something within a month <laughs> And so I was mm. like, you know, heck, I want to participate. I'll just do it and give it a go and see how far I get. And so now, you know, it's kind of this side project that took over my life. Obviously, that's all I do now. And um, that's how I got into this. You know, launch mm. something. Don't listen to the naysayers. <laughs> I, You know, I heard yeah. from so many people in the beginning. Oh, yeah, a women's magazine. And uh, who, who actually still reads blogs today? And I'm like, mm. you know, I just really followed my vision and, you know, I kind of trusted my gut to a certain extent. And again, I, I launched very quickly, validated quite early. Um, we got traction within my chosen audience quite early on in the yeah. journey. So again, my advice would be really, you know, la- launch early. And we, we launched very, very quickly in this, uh, in this month. And so that really, you know, kind of, uh, we had something out there. This allowed me to really validate the idea in this audience that I wanted to reach we started to talk to a lot of people, or I started to talk to, I always say we, in the beginning it was really just me. I started to speak to a lot of people in um, mm-hmm. that, you know, I wanted to reach and um, found support built in public from the very beginning. So I didn't do any stealth mode building, any of this kind. So we were out there uh, from the very, very beginning. And mm. yeah, so to, to summarize, I think my advice would be know your audience, reach out to them, learn from them launch quickly and yeah. um, really if you're building a media property distribution and your reach is is key is key yeah no i i love that when when you say you built some traction early on was that just getting positive feedback from the the people that were reading they were they were opening it they were responding to you what did that actually practically look like so i'm um, in the beginning i really again i reached out to a lot of people in our space and you know i I hacked the system a little bit. So again, it was a blog, but the, at the core was really the newsletter. But um, what we did is I would do interviews with um, a lot of the women that were active in the space and, you know, that I could find in different communities or also on LinkedIn. And um, so, you know, we will publish interviews with um, not just women, but also just generally, you know, people that were active in the women's health innovation space at the time. And so that kind of, you know, helped us because mm-hmm. they would reshare um, that they were on our blog. And then, you know, yeah. that kind of, got us into the space and um, I will publish in different groups, in different uh, women's health, not women's health, I'm um, like tech, women in tech networks that I was launching this. So I spoke quite sure. a bit about what I was doing and uh, what I was building. And so that kind of, you know, started to mm. um, build an audience. And then um, obviously, you know, what I looked at was open rates in the beginning, you know, are people actually consistently opening um, what we're sending them? Are they clicking on things? Are they actually interested? 
So, you know, that was yeah. really kind of um, also guided our content strategy to a certain extent. Like, you know, what, what did the people that were mm. receiving our newsletter or chose to, you know, allow us into their inbox actually interested mm. in them. So, you know, I, that kind of uh, really helped me to um, build upon that and, um, you know, build, I almost feel like I co-created the whole thing with our audience um, the entire way. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's what it looked like for me. And obviously, you know, it also helps to sometimes hear, hey, this is, this is good. You know, I enjoy getting this newsletter and I love this yeah, and keep, keep going. going. <laughs> you know, the, the kind of the qualitative feedback obviously helps a lot too, especially in the very beginning uh, when it sometimes feels, I mean, many people yeah. that, you know, are in the media space and are starting something new will maybe resonate with this, like, kind of, you know, you're just speaking to a silent room almost. So whenever a voice, somebody then provides feedback, yeah. it's actually quite exciting. But yeah, just, just overcome it. Speak from the very beginning yeah. about what you're building, find your allies, find your community. And um, that definitely helped me. I think this is such incredible advice because it's not overcomplicated, yet it is something that I think that people don't take the time to do. They they have this feeling that they do need to be perfect in some way or that they need to know it all in order for them to, you know, gain traction and, and to build. But it's almost... I wouldn't use the word humbling. It's all that is coming to my mind right now. But, you know, like humbling yourself enough to say like, hey, my audience and the, the people that I'm actually trying to serve, I need to know what they want. And so it's in your best interest to actually talk to them because you don't, you almost don't want to be the expert, right? Not, not in the beginning, at least. You want to be a sponge so that you can co-create, like you said, with them. And I think that, that can that applies in media that also applies in any type of service that you're trying to launch right and, and it certainly applies to any type of product that you want to launch as well but i think what happens is we do especially as women like number one imposter syndrome drives this perfectionism <laughs> which is like so stupid and I like how you were, even though you were probably nervous, you said, this is something that I'm passionate about and this is how I'm going to move forward. And I think a lot of people can take away these action steps really in order to, to launch. And then I guess I would even say, you know, four years in, are you continuing to sort of follow this process where you're always talking to your your customers. Oh, 100%. Like I'm on the phone with people that read us all the time. And obviously, yeah. we, you know, we get a lot of feedback. Also, um, uh, fortunately, our mailing list is a little bit bigger than two people <laughs> by now. So um, we do get uh, <laughs> feedback on the work that we do quite a bit. And um, so one thing I will also say is, and I followed this from the very beginning, I think I may have watched a Gary Vee video in the very beginning that talked about that. So I just wanted to mention it because it was so valuable for me. It was like, focus on documenting and not creating. So in the beginning, again, as you said, I definitely was mm. not an expert. And, you know, still like today, I have so much to learn about women's health. I have so much to learn about women's health innovation. And a lot of people look at me as the founder of Femtech Insider and they're like, oh, she's a Femtech expert. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a learner every day. I learn new things. I'm like a lifelong intern in this space. This is kind of mm. how I feel. But it was really in the very beginning yeah. I was focused on documenting what I was learning and sharing that with um other people. And, you know, that's to, to a certain extent, I, I still do that today. And as a publication, that's still what we do. I think the moment yeah. you, I mean, yeah, ha have I learned a lot about the femtech ecosystem, about women's health, about, you know, 
the VC and startup world about what it about entrepreneurship. Oh yes, like I'm definitely a better founder and probably someone with more expertise in this spaces than I was, um, you know, four years ago. But you know, I'm not perfect. Oh hell no! Yeah. And you know, I would really encourage everybody. You know, don't. <laughs> If there's something you feel passionate about, just just go and do it, try it, and um, yeah, just just take yeah. the leap, and um, yeah, you you might end up with a business four years later. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, so really, document not not don't create. I think that was so you know empowering to me to a certain extent, also because it almost gave me permission to um, you know not be an expert and still yeah. talk about something that I felt passionate about. Yeah, and not not get in your own way. I I, I love that quote. I'll, we'll we'll look and find yeah. that actual Gary Vee yeah. quote and and include that in yeah. the show notes because that is uh, very inspirational. Yeah. So, how can people you know sign up for the newsletter if they're interested in any way? What can they do? Yeah, so if you're passionate about women's soft innovation, I just would like to learn more. Um, you can just visit us at femtechinsider.com. So we publish on an ongoing basis. Yeah, femtechinsider.com slash newsletter is where our newsletter is at, but um, you can probably find it quite easily. And that's a great place to start um, if you want to learn more about just Femtech or the Women's Health Innovation Ecosystem and also our work at Femtech Insider. Amazing. And if people want to connect with you, where can they do that? So I have a website, uh, katherinholkin.com. I think you probably want to include that in the show notes because my name is a little bit difficult to spell. <laughs> And um, yes. yeah, I also um, have a newsletter that's going out on a somewhat irregular basis where I talk a little bit more about kind of, you know, innovation and media, what I'm learning about entrepreneurship, also women's health, of course, because that's an area I'm quite passionate about. You know, I started writing, a, um, working on a book about PCOS and sort of my PCOS journey. So anything that's not specifically oh. women's health innovation news, head on over to my personal website um, where it's a little bit more about like business, entrepreneurship, media, this kind of stuff. Oh, I love that. Oh, I'm going to uh, check that out myself cool. too because th- this is this is definitely an area that the audience of Sugar Coated is super interested in. We're always trying to learn how to sort of improve our entrepreneurial skills so that we can break through the barriers on the entrepreneurship side, right? Getting our businesses past a million dollars, that is something that we really need to learn how to do together so that we can, all boats can rise, all women's boats can rise. So Catherine, I just want to say thank you so much for spending time with me today and sharing all of your wisdom. Uh, I hope everybody signs up for Femtech Insider because especially the the sugar-coated audience, we are all women and we are all at some point going to um, have healthcare issues, whether it's us or someone who's close to us. And the more that we know and the more that we can educate ourselves and the more that we understand what this whole ecosystem is all about, the more empowered that we can be. So thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Uh, I'm just uh, really happy that you were able to come on Sugar Coated and share all your wisdom with us today. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me, Adrian. It was amazing. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. The She Leads Podcast Network.